0: Hey, well, this is week three in our series Gratitude, and I, I've heard some of you practicing, but I'm going to give you a shot just to keep you awake here at the beginning of the service, right? On the count of three, we're going to do our gratitude. Ready? One, two, three. Gratitude. Yeah, there we go. Now, we've been walking through Psalm 100 together. This morning, let's head back over to Psalm 100 And don't forget that our Thanksgiving service is tonight at 5.30. I'm looking forward to a sweet time of corporate worship and fellowship, and I hope you'll join us for that. Uh, Because of the Thanksgiving holiday, there are no midweek ministries this week, so uh, no Awana youth group or Bible study group, and I'd love for uh, you to spend some time with your friends and family. Uh, also, if you'd like to take class 101, which is the first class in our Next Steps series, we're going to offer that. Uh, there's a date change, it was December 12th is the day for that, and if you could sign up at servechurch.org or on the lobby kiosk, then we'll know how to prepare for that. Uh, our candlelight service this year, just to go ahead and put you into December, uh, is the night of December 22nd and it's on the eve of Christmas Eve Eve, All right, if you want to get technical about it. My wife, my wife always calls the day before Christmas Eve, she calls it Christmas Eve Eve, and uh, so that's, that's how we do it at our house, but this is the eve of Christmas Eve Eve, and uh, so make sure you join us for that. Uh, heard some news this week about a young man and a young lady here in the congregation, uh, Cole and Natalie, are engaged. And can you imagine that? So make sure you wish them well. Wave at us, Colin, Natalie. They're right back in the back over here. And uh, great to hear that news. We're so excited for them. All right, let's catch up with our studies. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise on the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. All right, let's go back through it now and give you a chance to join in. So let's put that slide right back up there, if you would, Brock. Here we go, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now in verse 3 last Sunday... We saw the why of gratitude. Why should we be thankful to God? Well, because he's the one who's made us. We haven't made ourselves. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. And now in verse 4, we're going to see more about the how of gratitude. And if you understand the why, the how is the easy part. And we might call these the steps of gratitude. So we're going to take verse 4 and break it down into bite-sized pieces as we talk about these steps toward having a thankful heart. And we all need to have a thankful heart. So let's uh, get into your notes now, and they're provided in your bulletin or on the U version app. And there's also kids' notes for today. Let's take this first phrase, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And we have to go back into... Uh, this time period, about 1,000 years B.C., and I kind of go into the mindset of, of the psalmist at this time, go into the mindset of the worship of Israel. Uh, during the great reign of King Solomon, the gates to the temple were actually the place of public worship. In fact, even during the early church era in Acts, uh, believers would gather at the temple gates to hold church services. Uh, with the number of disciples quickly exploding into the thousands of Jerusalem, there was no building in the city that could hold them. And uh, so they met regularly at the temple gates for church. They also met from house to house in smaller groups of people. Acts 542 describes it this way: And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Paul uh, would later tell the elders of the church of Ephesus, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And, and so public worship, the corporate church service, is essential for the believer's growth. But it's also essential for maintaining a heart of gratitude in the child of God. Believers can't properly function outside of the body of Christ, all right? I need a little helper today, a a kid. Where's a kid who would be willing to help? Axel, you want to help me today? Okay, come on up here. You're going to take Axel, and we're we're going to do some surgery on Axel here. All right, now, if we were to take Axel and cut his foot off, now this is not nice to think about. We're not really going to do it. But if we cut Axel's foot off, And we left it right up here on the stage. And he came back to check on it in a couple weeks. How many of you think his foot would be doing great? How many of you think his foot is in big trouble by then? Okay, His foot needs his body to live, right? And his body needs his foot to walk. And so everybody understand how that works? Now, we're going to apply that spiritually. Give Axel a hand. You did great. Use both of your feet, both feet. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you have a body part that is removed from your body, it's going to cease to function. Uh, the body part needs the body to complete its purpose. You need the rest of the body to complete your purpose. There's this modern illusion, and I hear it all the time, and And sometimes it's uh, written in books or sometimes it's spoken of at uh, conventions or conferences. This modern illusion that you can be a good Christian without being connected to a local church. And I'm telling you, it's an absolute myth. There is nothing credible at all to the scenario of a great Christian living outside of the body. In the New Testament, it was a given the believers were part of a local church from the moment they trusted Christ. Uh, it was an assumption uh, that they were, would be baptized in that body right away. Sheep, uh, net, we talked last week, were the sheep of his pasture. Sheep never do well when they get separated from the flock. They're in constant danger of being attacked by predators. Uh, they're also in danger of becoming immobile. From the load of excess wool. Look at this poor sheep in Australia.
1: He's forgotten somehow was lost in the forest at least five years. I think he was a bit shell-shocked when he arrived. He couldn't really see because the wool had grown over his eyes. It must have been so incredibly painful. The local chap saw this mammoth moving amongst the trees and had to look twice. And it turned out to be the sheep, so he texted us to see if we could take the sheep on, which we readily said yes. <laughs> I can't imagine how he survived, but he did. Okay. Yeah, go. Right. Good wow, I don't know if Another sheep with him, letting him know everything's okay. Place to be old, mate. He had over 35 kilos worth of wool on him. That tells how long the poor fellow had been out there. We had to get the police up, but we knew that was a huge risk to his health and safety, but leaving it on was a greater risk. To get up, because we had to go out of the hand scissors, and so it was and He had bits of sticks and twigs, all sorts of things in his wall. I really believe he knew we were helping him. He stood there and let us do it, which was amazing because he was obviously scared, but he also felt confident in the, the things that we were, were doing for him. When we got the fleece off him, we finally relieved him of his burden. As he walked down the alleyway, he started to get stronger in his legs. And he had Chloe and Molly there on the other side so they could see each other through the stores. That's Yeah, that's my um, That's the best sign. We just stand. He looks at us. He is so intelligent. He's got a pretty, a pretty good life now. He's certainly got more confident. Barack has evolved every single day to the wonderful being that he is. We are just so grateful that Barack came into our world. <laughs>
0: All right, so there we go. I mean, sheep don't do well outside of their flock. Christians that get disconnected from a church body, they live under the illusion, kind of like Barak the sheep, that they're doing just fine, even though anybody who notices them immediately realizes they're in crisis. Uh, Christians without a flock tend to be a lot like Barak the sheep weighed down with all sorts of dirt and bark from this world, lacking proper nutrition, lacking the shearing that takes place when God's word is declared, lacking the fellowship and accountability of other sheep, lacking the protection and support of the shepherd. I I like how she said on there, uh, I think he knew we were helping him. Isn't that interesting? People uh, who are regularly a part of a church body they know that God has given His Word and His Spirit and church leaders to help them. But when you get disconnected from truth, that all of a sudden you, you start to be afraid of them, and you don't want help, and you push back from them, and you end up looking like you know some type of alien walking in a field uh, because you're just so lopsided. It is impossible to maintain a heart with Jesus when you're disconnected from His body. There are some who say, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Well, the church is his bride. That's like telling somebody, I love you, but I hate your wife, right? It's going to be a difficult relationship. How are you going to be good friends with somebody like that? And and so there's a relationship issue here. Entering into his gates with thanksgiving in New Testament times is assembling together with the body of Christ for corporate worship, and there's no substitute for church. Now let's take this next phrase and into his courts with praise. Okay, and into his courts with praise. And uh, this also speaks of the temple experience in Israel. The courts uh, were the furthest point that non Levites or non priests could go. And people only went this far for specific reasons related to worship. One of those instances was to bring a peace offering to the Lord. Now, you study the peace offering. It's it's interesting. The peace offering was not an animal sacrifice. It was an offering of unleavened cakes to thank God for special mercies that had been received. Maybe a restoration to health or safety in traveling Uh, or deliverance from a debt, or uh, uh, the addition of a child, or victory over some type of issue. And most of the Jewish sacrifices were regulated by the ceremonial laws. And the ceremonial law told you what to bring, where to bring it, how to bring it, when to bring it. But the sacrifice of thanksgiving was not laid out in the law. It could only be offered willingly and always by a person who had taken notice of God's mercies. Psalm 96.8 says this, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. And this points to a believer willingly entering the gates of corporate worship and cheerfully offering a sacrifice of praise. You say, well, what does this look like in the New Testament? Or do we bring unleavened cakes to church to recognize God's goodness? Well, not normally, but, uh, you know, Paul did lay out uh, a format in a couple of places when writing the church at Corinth. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 16, he said this, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, uh, so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. Later in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, he wrote about this same topic. And actually look over at this one because I want you to see it. Uh, this is, is such a, a beautiful picture of entering into his courts with praise. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is the principle given Related to coming to the courts of God's corporate worship with a cheerful offering to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the principle of New Testament giving is unveiled in three verses here, starting in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And so it's letting us know, hey, you're going to reap at the proportion of which you have sown, okay? If you sow one bean seed in your garden, you're not going to get very many beans. If you sow a whole bunch of bean seeds, you're going to get a whole bunch of beans, right? Uh, If you plant one tomato seed, you're not going to get many tomatoes. Uh, If you plant a lot of tomato seeds, you're going to get like Ben Manon-type harvest on your tomatoes. That guy, he's got tom- he get boxes of tomatoes that then he just always brings in and has to give away because he can't eat them all. And so there's a principle given. Now look at verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And so God says, hey, you should purpose in your heart what you're going to do. And you should understand that it's a heart issue, and you should give cheerfully. And then verse verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So, we can correlate entering into his gates with thanksgiving to the public church service. And we can correlate entering into his gates or his courts with praise to the free will offering that's received at the public church service. Now, I want to go back to uh, Psalm 100. Let's look at this next phrase Be thankful unto him. Be thankful unto him. Now, this one seems fairly simple for us to understand, but it's also tied to the previous two. Uh, There was obviously no reason to enter into the gates and courts of the temple unless you were living out gratitude toward God. And yet, as Jewish history continued, there were times when temple worship was just a ritual. It was just a family tradition. It was a part of the societal fabric, but it didn't have anything really to do with God. Uh, As you read the Old Testament, it's crazy in Malachi People were bringing lame sheep to use as sacrifices in the temple. In Jeremiah, the priests were defiling the entire reason for sacrifice because they made it all about themselves instead of about God. when a sheep was on the altar, they would go and look at the sheep and say, hey, cut this roast off right here. Before we do the sacrifice, I'm going to have this roast right here later. And then they'd flip sheep over. Oh, look, you know what? I like the hind quarter. Let's, let's get that for me. And then they'd offer the sacrifice. And God called them greedy dogs. That's what he called them in Jeremiah. He said they didn't care anything about God's people. They just wanted stuff for themselves. And boy, that's been kind of a, a thing that's been passed down through the ages in religion. Uh, I read about a, a, a millionaire pastor in the Philippines, one of the richest men in the world, actually, uh, associated with religion. He was indicted this week uh, on all sorts of uh, sex trafficking crimes, and uh, there are people in the the Philistines, the Philippines, who have known that he was a charlatan and a, a really bad guy for a long, long time, but there are millions of people in the Philippines who have followed him. They don't know any better, and they've given him money, and they've enabled him. And there are always times in religion uh, when it happens like it did in the Old Testament, where we go to the building, and we do the ritual, and we do all these different things that are associated with religion, but it has nothing to do with God. And when we sacrifice, we're supposed to make it all about God And not ourselves. It's possible in 2021 to enter into corporate worship and even bring an offering without truly living out authentic worship to God. It it appears that missing the whole point of worship can happen to anybody at any point in time, even in the middle of church services when we're reinforcing the act of worship. Because it comes down to being thankful unto him for all things and at all times. It comes down to our gratitude, rising to God in spite of our circumstances. Uh, We aren't thankful to our blessings. Uh, Instead, we're thankful to the God who gives them. Now, when you sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner this week, let's just see how this is going to go. How many of you plan on having a turkey this year at Thanksgiving dinner? Okay, ham. Anybody plan on a ham? Prime rib, game hen, crocodile, <laughs> tofu turkey. <laughs> we thought about doing that at our house, but uh, when you sit down to the Thanksgiving dinner, the things probably aren't going to go like this. Where you sit down, you know. I'd like to thank Butterball for this delicious turkey, and I'd like to thank Orida for the mashed potatoes, and I'd like to thank the French's for the fried onions on the green bean casserole, and I'd like to thank Granny Smith for the apples in the pie, and I'd like to thank uh, Kirkland for the whipped topping. Now, I don't think it goes like that, does it? Uh, you probably go something more like this, Grandma, this was a delicious meal. Thanks for getting up early to work on it so we can enjoy it. Mom, thanks for your hard work on the meal. Aunt Gladys, thanks for providing such a nice spread for the Thanksgiving meal. Look, we don't thank the products. We thank the producer. That's easy for us to get. You know, when it comes to blessings, sometimes we miss this same point. There are no blessings without the blesser. There are no gifts without the giver. And and so in Psalm 100, we get this this principle, be thankful unto him. Be thankful unto him. And this is so crucial for us to get. And we're going to actually spend this last part of the service combining these thoughts together. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So this is the fourth part. And this is where we want to spend a little more time as we finish today. This really is just a continuation of be thankful unto Him. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Regard God for all things at all times and bless His name. Now, it's interesting at this time of year uh, that many people describe sentiments of gratitude. It could be at the office. uh, It could be at the Thanksgiving dinner. It could be at church. We're doing it here where we put the leaves up and kids say what they're thankful for. And did you hear what they were thankful for? Toys, right? Thankful for toys. Uh, Thankful for, you know, whatever these things are. Uh, We sometimes practice gratitude, thanksgiving, offering of sentiments of gratitude. And yet, there are many people who do it without ascribing honor to the name of God. And, And so we're asking, well, what are you thankful for? And it's a good question to ask. Tonight, we're going to have some testimonies of thankfulness. And, and one of the songs that we're going to sing tonight is an old song called Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. And you might sit down with your family this week and go around the table talking about things you're thankful for. And yeah, that's a good thing to do. You'll hear all sorts of answers, uh, I'm thankful for my friends and my parents and my teachers and my family, or a job, or house, or apartment, or car, or dog, or cat, or pecan pie, or cranberry sauce, or whatever. How many have a cat? Anybody have a cat? Okay. Cats are animals too, right? <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't be upset. Uh. But, you know, when we express gratitude without blessing the name of the giver, And watch watch me on this, this is real careful. When we express gratitude without honoring the name of the giver, we are unwittingly worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and most believers, this isn't true. But when you do that, you're actually practicing a form of humanism instead of Christianity. When you're thankful for all the benefits of life, but you don't recognize where those benefits came from, you're practicing the religion of this world. And I want to show you this in the New Testament book of Romans. And so go over to Romans chapter one, and we're going to spend a couple of minutes here, and then we'll look at another passage uh, after this. Romans chapter one this passage is so profound in, in many ways, but. We're going to come across some wording here that hopefully opens our eyes to the subtle danger of thankfulness that isn't attached to honoring God. Okay, so look at this, Romans 1, verse number 20. For the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, e- even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Now, look at this next phrase. Neither were thankful. Okay? They knew that God made it all, but they refused to admit and glorify Him in making it all. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And became university professors and talking heads on uh, networks. Oh, sorry, that's not in there. I messed that up. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now look at verse 25, what happens here. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I wonder if... Our worldly gratitude, our humanistic gratitude is described there in verse number 25. Where we take the time and we even have the holiday to practice Thanksgiving, but it has absolutely nothing to do with God. Uh, Sophie was telling me the other day because she's studying history about the pilgrims. And she told me, Dad, the first Thanksgiving was three days long. And I said, how did they survive? They ate that much pumpkin pie for three days? I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, no, they, they didn't even have turkey at the first Thanksgiving, she told me. They had fish and uh, some other meats that they had, like venison from the forest. And, and the whole point of Thanksgiving, you know what it was? To thank God to thank God because they had survived. But in a nation where survival isn't really one of the things that we worry about every day, it might be a little harder for us to thank God that way. And verse 25 kind of sneaks up on, on us because we're so prosperous as a nation. Do you know the poorest people in America are in the top 6% of wealth in the world. The poorest people in the United States who are getting checks every month just for living here have more than the top 6% of people in the world. And yet there are over 2 billion people in the world today who make, make less than $2 a day. I said 2 billion. There are over 2 billion people in the world today that make less than $2 a day. A billion of them make less than a dollar a day. And uh, when you go into some of these places in third world countries and you go to church, it just, I'm so humbled when I walk in. You take your shoes off and you walk in the door and you sit on a concrete floor on this mat that they were able to roll out. And for three to four hours, they sit there and praise God for his goodness. And uh, they get into his word, and they treasure his word. And when they get their first set of scriptures, tears roll down their cheeks, because they never thought that they would own a Bible. And I've seen videos of, of believers in China who are given just a page of scripture, and they just break down weeping, because their gratitude is so immense But you know, when we have everything we need, and if we don't, we click it on Amazon and it's there tomorrow, it's really hard for us to grasp sometimes what it really means to be thankful because we start to worship the creation instead of the creator. I'm sure we can all agree that thankfulness, unattached to God, isn't nearly as big of a problem in our world today. As straight up unthankfulness, right? A complete lack of gratitude. Let's go to one more passage because Paul wrote to Timothy about perilous times that would come in what he called the last days. So once you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and maybe you've heard this list before in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because Paul says, Hey Timothy, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, look what he says. It's going to happen. 2 Timothy 3, he said, In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and the list goes on from there. These are like the list of opposites for having a life of gratitude. Uh, Because grateful people think of others first. Grateful people aren't envious of what they don't have. Grateful people encourage and uplift others instead of bragging on themselves. Grateful people are humble. Grateful people honor the name of God, they don't misuse it. Uh, Grateful young people are obedient to their parents instead of entitled. Grateful people are clearly thankful. Grateful people show forth God's holiness. If there is a list in Scripture that you don't want to be a part of, the 2 Timothy 3 list is right up toward the top. As I said earlier, the list goes on. Listen to this next section, because this is where an unthankful heart leads. Without natural affection, they don't even really care about their own family members. Truth breakers, they don't keep their word. False accusers. They slander others without considering the damage. Incontinent. I'm pretty sure that means lacking control. Fierce, merciless, or savage. Despisers of those that are good. They're actually hostile to those who honor God with their lives. Somehow thinking this will prove that they don't need God. Traitors, or betrayers, backstabbers. Heady, in other words, stubborn high minded they're blinded by their own pride they can't see their own faults now listen to these last two because this goes back to wanting god's benefits without wanting god this is so profound look what it says lovers of pleasure more than lovers of god now what are they saying god we want all the gifts we want all the good things we just don't want you And we'll even say that we're thankful for them as long as we don't have to bless your name. We won't honor you for being the creator. And what does this produce? Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It means keeping up the show of outward religion with no inward relationship with God. This is the new paganism. Christianity in name only. Wearing the uniform while dishonoring the king. Forms without faith. You say, Pastor, you've wandered a long way from Psalm 100 and gratitude. Actually, this goes to the very heart of real gratitude. If you can point out the pleasures of life without honoring the God who gives them, you need a gratitude adjustment. Anytime that we count our blessings, we should remember to honor God for giving them. I like how the song, Count Your Blessings, ends. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. See, God has done more for me than I could possibly describe or even understand. There is no way to express how awesome He is. But I can take the steps of gratitude from Psalm 100. As we finish up in the faith challenge today, let's review the steps given to us so far in the psalm. Okay, step one was make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Step two, serve the Lord with gladness. Step three, come before his presence with singing. Those three action steps are in the first couple of verses. Verse three we mentioned is the why for gratitude. The Lord has made us. Uh, Not we ourselves. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then verse 4, what we covered today, continues the action steps, the how of gratitude. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, corporate worship, and into his courts with praise, willingly offering to God. Be thankful, but it's more than that. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now, all of these action steps are a good measure of thankfulness. Yeah, and we can plug this formula right into our lives and say, hey, how am I doing on these steps? Right? How's it going here? Everybody's got those uh, watches or gizmos that you wear that tell your steps, right? And just about everybody's got them now, except for those holdouts who are independent thinkers who say, I don't need anybody to count my steps for me. I I can count my own steps. Right? Which, I don't know if they walk around counting their steps or if they just, you know, it's just a figure of speech or if they're just that independent. And in Idaho, there are a lot of people that independent, let me tell you. Okay, there's a whole bunch of them. If you ever want to steal stuff, don't go west from here uh, and go into farmer's fields at night because they all have shotguns and backhoes, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, um, and, <laughs> And they're really independent maverick people. Uh, But, you know, we count things like our steps, and we count all these things related to our physical body, but sometimes we don't manage the steps God has given us in his word. How am I doing at making a joyful noise? Am I serving God with gladness? Have I been singing to God and making a, a noise to God? And am I entering to his gates on a regular basis with thanksgiving and his courts with praise? Am I thankful to him? Do I remember to attach my gratitude toward the giver, toward the blesser, toward the creator of all things? Or am I just enjoying the pleasures of creation? And a woe to those who enjoy the creation without acknowledging the creator it does not end well for them. I read the back of the book. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But the only ones who end happy are those who knee bowed and tongue confessed willingly. And so we should willingly go before God with our gratitude. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. We pray that as we look ahead to our Thanksgiving service tonight, that you would prepare our hearts uh, to be touched and used by you, and pray that you would guide us through this week of Thanksgiving. Help us to bring all the honor and all the glory and all the praise back to you, the only one who is worthy of our praise. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great day.